Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Well, hello, Ginghamsburg family. It is so good to be gathered together today with you. And I just need you to know that I have a unique relationship with food. It's a love-hate relationship. I mean, I love all the stuff that's good for me, apples and blueberries and blackberries and pistachios and kale. Yes, I love kale. (laughs) Yeah, see, three or four of you others, the rest of you, haters gonna hate, right? But then I love the stuff that is not so good for you, pizza and wings and bread. Boy, do I love bread. True, yeah, (laughs) true confessions though. Sometimes I use food in order to make me feel better. I use food as kind of therapy when I'm having a rough day. I'm sure that doesn't happen to any of you, but it happens to me. I have a love-hate relationship with food. But God didn't design food for that. No, God designed food as a gift. And I believe it's our relationship with food that's either a source of life or a source of destruction in our lives. Food is great. Food is good. Say that with me. Food is great. Food is good. Now, at the Billups household, we typically eat our meals gathered around the table. And there are two reasons. Number one, when you're taking Billups' party of six out to eat, it's quite the bill. (laughs) but also because we wanna gather and spend that time together as a family. We like to have great conversation, really loud, great conversation. Um, Mr. Billups can attest that like, you can't get it at word in edgewise, and that's just when he's talking, right? <laughs> I mean, everybody around the table has something to say. I love to pick on Mr. Billups. It's great, and when we are gathered around the table, more often than not, we say a little prayer that may be quasi-familiar to many of you, God is great, God is good, and we thank God for our food. By his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily. Yeah, see, many of you know this prayer as well. And truth be told, it's usually prayed by the youngest of the Billups clan, Sarah. Because if she doesn't get to pray the prayer, it is straight up anarchy. No one's gonna eat until she prays that prayer, even if someone else has prayed it already. God is great, God is good. But so is the gift of food. I once had a friend say to me, you know, Rachel, I don't pray over my meals anymore because I felt like I was blessing too many cheeseburgers and not praying enough for people throughout the world. I was asking God to bless my bad eating habits and not thinking about the rest of the folk who can't even eat. He had a point to make, did he not? And yet there is this mysterious holy gift that we have food. From the beginning, God gave us this gift. Genesis chapter one, verse 29. God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. Every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he made, and it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. And food is not just good. It is really good. It's God's good creation. God's relationship with food doesn't end there. 
Throughout the Old Testament, that first half of our Bibles, as we're reading through the Old Testament, we see those dietary laws and those feasts and those festivals. You can genuinely tell the story of God's people through food. I mean, think about the Passover. The Passover is the pinnacle of the, the identity of God's people, Israel. Exodus 12 says that night they were to eat meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs, bread made without yeast. Do not eat the raw meat or boiled in water, but roasted over a fire with the head and the legs and the internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat in haste. In other words, you gotta be sure you're in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. Now there's all kinds of things that I could unpack from that little bit of scripture about the tradition, but suffice it to say, we recognize that we as the people of God were a unique collection of people because of the practices that we have gathered around the table. How God's people ate, how they enjoyed food, how they told their story through food. And as if that wasn't concrete enough, the God of the universe came from heaven to earth, became one of us, flesh and blood, and moved into our neighborhoods in the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus had these incredible dining habits. He ate with folks that made the religious elite uncomfortable. He had to ordinary men and women like us. It's like water to our thirsty souls. More often than not, we read how Jesus ate and enjoyed food. Food is everywhere. And then Jesus, in his very own person, helped us understand that redemption is possible, that forgiveness is possible through something as simple as a meal. When gathered around that supper table, that last supper table with his disciples, the Bible tells us that Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup. He gave thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Gathered around the table, we realize our identity is in Jesus. It's why here at Ginghamsburg, we say Jesus eats with everybody. Jesus gathers people for faith, family, and food, metaphorically and literally. We want everyone to know that you are welcome in this place. I believe that sharing food may be the single most effective tool for following Jesus. Something as simple as food. You realize our dining habits really do say a lot about who we are. We all just really gathered around tables around the holidays, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, these kinds of things. How were you eating? With grace and love and forgiveness? Or were you like, oh, I cannot even imagine spending one more second with Uncle Joe, you know? I mean, what was your attitude when gathered around the table? And who do you gather with? The single mom across the street? The CEO? The stranger? Even your enemy? Our dining habits matter. Food matters. Food is good. Food is great. How's your relationship with food? Now, I imagine there are some of you, your relationship is impeccable. Your dining habits are amazing. You see food as fuel. You have this amazingly healthy relationship with food. You extend the edges of your table 
every day in every way. Now for the rest of us, right? <laughs> How do you see food? When you're worried, when you're stressed out, do you grab that fifth latte of the day? When you come home from work or come home from school, are you looking for those chips or that chocolate or that cheese or the chips, chocolate, and cheese? <laughs> when it's late at night and you just can't deal with it anymore, are you drinking that third glass of wine, that third bourbon, that third beer? I know I'm talking to somebody today, right? What's your relationship with like, with your food? What you drink. Do you realize 30% of Americans are addicted to food? And this pandemic hasn't helped brothers and sisters out. How do we relate to food in a holy, healthy way? The way that God has gifted us this incredible resource of food. Food is good. Food is great. Brothers and sisters, I believe it starts with the why of food. We got to understand our why. Sometimes we treat our bodies as though they're indestructible. Doesn't matter. We eat what we want. When I think about this, it takes me back to middle school. When I used to run after track practice, I'd go to the vending machine, and every single day, I got a Snickers. I love Snickers. Don't you dare buy me a Snickers, because I cannot resist a Snickers. I love Snickers. But then I wanted to be healthy, so I decided to go over to the other vending machine and wash it down with a Minute made fruit juice. Because you know that was real juice. And it didn't have more sugar than the pop right next to it. But I was running. I could do what I want, right? No, not exactly. Sometimes we treat our bodies as though they're machines. Just put it in and we'll just keep going, 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 going. But it just doesn't work that way. As humans, our bodies deeply matter, as does the type of food that we fuel our bodies with. Let's dig a little deeper on this one. Do you realize as a follower of Jesus Christ that Jesus' spirit is alive and well in you? We call that the Holy Spirit. Say that with me, Holy Spirit. So your body is literally the home of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You have this fire of the Spirit, this divine spark within you. Now, as a collective, we are called the body of Christ, so as the body of Christ, not only are we like indwelling the spirit within us, but we have this whole collective thing happening as well. It means as the body of Christ, we are not our own. We're bought with a price. We can't just do what we want. First century follower of Jesus, Paul, leader in the church movement, really made this plain. You know, he had this context where he had all of these people who were coming to Christ and they're brand new and they don't know what to do and they don't know what to say and they don't know what to eat and they have all these unhealthy habits they're bringing with them. And so Paul just has to get real practical. Now, unhealthy habits like not eating the right things, absolutely, but also things like temple prostitution. And you can imagine coming into this new family of God, that doesn't fly. That doesn't fly. And so Paul is trying to help them form new habits, reminding them of their why. This is what he says. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your what? Bodies. Honor God with your bodies. 
You mean the food we eat matters? Yes, the food we eat matters. The way, how do you honor God by fueling your body? Now, there are many ways we can honor body. The first, or honor God with our body. The first is that food is fuel. Say that with me. Food is fuel. We could have been designed like cars, put anything in, keep on going, but it doesn't work that way. Do you realize there's a relationship between God and the food that we eat and the food that we put in our bodies? It's the cyclical relationship. It's amazing. God designed us to be dependent on God in this incredible way. We pray it every day. Give us today our daily bread. We got to trust God for good, fueling food. Food is fuel. Second, food is joy. Can I get an amen? I love to eat. I love good food. Brings me joy to eat good food. Do you realize that as human beings, you have 10,000 taste buds on your tongue? 10,000. That's amazing. Now, if you're a little more seasoned fits, you only have 5,000. <laughs> Sit back down. <laughs> I only pick on him because I love him. <laughs> 5,000 taste buds, but that's still 5,000 fits to taste incredible salmon, fresh hummus, you know, donuts as you love so desperately, right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I should say this out loud, but I'm praying about bringing the donuts back. I need you to know I'm praying about it. So <laughs> look at all the tears, right? Yeah. Food is joy. We have this incredible opportunity to eat food. Food is joy. Number three, food is connection. Food is connection. Everything that we do, when a baby is born, when a new family receives a foster child, when someone loses a loved one, when we see that our neighbor is struggling, we use food as a source of connection. We're always connecting people through food. And here at Gingersburg, we do say, Jesus eats with everyone and we mean it. We mean it, we gather around tables in the safest ways possible because we do believe that people are transformed through food. Now, how many of you have been watching the made-for-TV series, The Chosen? Anybody? A couple of you? Now, if you don't know about this, you can download a app, VidAngel, go to The Chosen, watch this series. Um, I wanna really encourage you to. It is the best portrayal of Jesus and his life and ministry I've ever experienced. It isn't hokey, it isn't weird. It is just like every single episode, it's like, whew, it's right there. It's like the Bible come to life. Google it, you wanna, you're gonna wanna check it out. And in this series, Dallas Jenkins, who is the creator of this, the director of this series, this multi, you see how Jesus gathers people over and over around a table and he transforms them through food. Now, if that's what Jesus does through the, throughout the New Testament, that's what Jesus is calling us to do. Gather together. Be transformed through the simple tool of food. It's why we're relaunching Soul Food Cafe at Fort McKinley campus. We want to gather people in Northwest Dayton to experience Christ's love through the simple gift of food. If you want to help Pastor Carl out at our Fort McKinley campus in relaunching this, I want to encourage you to send him an email, kpin at ginghamsburg.org. Take a screenshot of that puppy and say, hey, Pastor Carl, I want to help. I want to get involved. Food is fuel. Food is joy. Food is connection. And in order for all of that to be true and just absolutely life-giving in our lives, we've got to be good 
food stewards. Good food stewards. Now, that word steward is weird. I'm just going to be honest. That's a weird word. It's hard to say. Sometimes it's hard to understand. It's not exactly like, I'm not talking about you going to a train or a plane and bringing someone food. I'm talking about how are you managing this incredible resource that God has given you? How are you really having a genuine relationship with food in your life? If we understand that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, if we know that food is fuel, food is joy, food is connection, if we embrace what Jesus said, when Jesus himself was tempted in the wilderness, man shall not leave, live on bread alone, but, but on the very word that comes from the mouth of God, then we've got to be incredible stewards of food in the best and most appropriate ways. When I think about this, I can't help but think about the 12-step movement of our recovery ministry. When it comes to like understanding the relationship with food, I, I look over this, uh, this room of people, I imagine you online as well, like many of us are addicted to food, but we're addicted to all kinds of things from prescription drugs to pornography, to gambling, to online trapping, you name it. And this applies to all of it, all of it. One of the most powerful steps in the 12 steps is step four, make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Let me make that plain. Let's tell ourselves the truth about ourselves. That's what it means. Let's tell ourselves the truth about ourselves because Jesus said the truth will set you free. So when it comes to food or any other addiction in your life, how are you using that food? Is it a source of life? Are you treating your body as a dumping ground? What is your relationship with food like? Now, I imagined you could take a piece of paper, a, a notepad on your phone, or even this transformation journal, and just make a few observations about your relationship with food. Maybe they look something like this. Three simple observations. Food is my, I use food to, I want food to be. Food is my, I use food to, I want food to be. Either write those down or take a screenshot of this and just get honest. Take a few minutes, not here in worship, but when you are doing your quiet time with God, just tell yourself the truth about yourself. Food is my drug of choice. Food is my therapy. Food is how I deal with my stress. Whatever it is, get honest with yourself. Tell yourself the truth about yourself. What's real? Not just what you like to be, but what is real in your life. Now, I'm not saying this is easy work. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. Is really difficult work because why? You have to eat food. Food is a given. You got to eat food to survive. And so doing this work, changing your habits, seeing food as a gift from God is really difficult work. Food is great. Food is good. Understanding the why. But brothers and sisters, I don't want to stay there. The why is good. What about the what? How do we actually live this stuff out? Like practically make food, joy and fuel and connection in our lives. Well, five really practical principles for eating great food. The first one is this, eat real food. Say that out loud with me, eat real food. You know, in our busy, hurry, hurry, hurry lives, usually we grab what's convenient, we grab what's easy, and sometimes, most of the time, What's easy and convenient is not real food. Eat real food. If you're reading through the Daniel plan, 
Rick Warren encourages uh, you to, to look at for foods with five ingredients or less. Do you know how hard that is? Five ingredients are, you flip that sucker over at the grocery store and it's like 17 ingredients and, you know, 16 of them you cannot pronounce. It's crazy. If you went to the grocery store and you shopped along the sides and along the back, most of that is real food. Not all, most of that is real food. It's the middle aisles that you kind of want to avoid if you can. Eat real food. Second, make intentional choices. Say that with me. Make intentional choices. Got to have a plan. Making a list, taking it twice, you know? Make a menu. Some of you will need to meal prep breakfast, lunch, and dinner on the weekends and then actually eat what you prepped. That's an important part of that. Make a plan and stick to the plan. Number three, keep track. Some of you will use a calendar, a food journal. There are all kinds of free apps out there, My Fitness Pal, Carb Manager, all these kinds of things, where you can just track your food. Again, fearless moral inventory. Tell myself the truth about myself. If I eat it, I put it on the list. If I eat it, I put it on the list. If I eat it, I put it on the list. Just so I can see the patterns. When I get stressed out at three o'clock and I wanna grab that piece of chocolate, I can see that's what I do every single day. Keep track. Number four, slow down. Oh, this is so hard. (laughs) How many of you eat in a hurry? Several of us. This is the hardest thing for me because I'm always eating in a hurry. It's like I'm racing, PR, come on, get it in there. Um, Always eating in a hurry. What if you actually put your fork or spoon down between bites? You know how difficult that is? It's super hard. Put it down. Taste your food, savor the food, enjoy the food, slow down. It actually helps your digestion. It puts signals in the brain that, oh my goodness, my stomach is actually getting full. Slow down. And finally, just have fun. Food is supposed to be fun. Gather with the people that you want to gather with. Go shopping with folks you want to go shopping with. I mean, enjoy the food that you have. Make something as a family that's healthy so that your kids can learn uh, new healthy habits. Just have fun. Don't allow this to be a burden, but rather an opportunity for you to grow healthy disciplines that will transform your life. Now, someone that has always challenged me and inspired me when it comes to food is a lady in our congregation, Margie DeHaze. Margie is passionate about whole life health. And so this week I sat down with her and asked her a few questions. Let's watch. Margie, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I know that you, um, you have a lot to say about food. You really know that food is very important. So why food? Why does it matter? Yeah, well, food is a life source. It is energy. It's it's live. It's what God put on this earth to nourish us, not just physically, which I think most people think that way, but also for mentally and emotionally. I've seen such transformations in people when um, the mental and the emotional piece of it starts to come together because they don't realize that food is feeding their gut and that gut health is so important. So you work a lot with people in the realm of health and nutrition. What are some of the challenges you see with people? I mean, a lot of people are coming into you and they say, I have this issue. What do you see? Well, the the first thing is like, I, I see habits. 
Um, you know, a joke that we have in our industry is it's easier to change a person's religion than it is their nutrition <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, you know, you think about it, you know, what did grandma used to give us when we weren't feeling good or what did um, my mom fix, you know, every Sunday um, for Sunday night yeah. dinner. So those traditions and those things, they stay alive, but also too, when they're um, looking at maybe even feeding a family, it's more about um, cost, you know, how can I get the most for my family to feed? So a lot of times the quantity is, um, is taken over more than what the quality is of food, but I want to give people hope because there is, there is uh, ways that you can eat healthy on a good budget. What are some of the things that if there were, let's say, three things you want to tell people, um, this is what you could do today to really kind of liberate your habits around food. What would those be? Well, I would say, first of all, get a buddy because it's hard to do it by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and when you um, start with either maybe even your spouse or a family member or a sister or anybody in your community and really help lock arms with you to say, hey, I want to make some changes. Would you come on this journey with me? And that I've seen very big success with. And sometimes even if it's just somebody coming to my office talking with me, you know, I'll be their buddy and helping them through that journey. So a buddy always really helps. Anything you can get your hands on to read, education, be a part of something that's going to help, you know, make that. Even going to the grocery store, this is what I have my patients do the very first time is look in your cart before you check out. Is three quarters of your grocery cart filled with fruits and veggies? I mean, because we really need to st- stick with as many plants and as many colors as possible. And then when they start looking at, oh man, I have a lot of packaged foods, I have a lot of box foods, you know, maybe that might be that shift to go back. We have this entire whole life health class that we're offering on Wednesday nights at you know our Tip City campus. Um, people can be plugged in in a myriad of ways. Talk to us about what whole life health is like and how people can get connected there. Yes. So um, it's a passion of mine that I've had on my heart. I remember years ago that Mike Slaughter said one out of five kids in Dayton were going to bed hungry. And it not only bothered me so much, I remember being on an airplane and just breaking down, crying, thinking about it because I had this guilt, you know, as a mom, my kids were getting the good food you know, and they were getting, you know, it in consistency. And I'm like, we've got to do something. So uh, fortunately, Ginghamsburg was one of the first churches that said open arms, like, let's bring it. And you don't have to have any education. You don't have to have um, any certain type of body type. Even if you have allergies, everybody is welcome. Everybody can come. It's not about perfection. It's not about doing it exactly right. Yeah. We're just going to start where you are, come where you are. And let the transformation begin. And I can tell you that over the years that we've been doing this with Ginghamsburg and other churches, we've really seen some major transformations with people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Margie. Amen. It's not about perfection. If you need a partner, a buddy, like Margie was saying, on Wednesday nights, actually in the balcony rooms, uh, we are doing Whole Life Health at 6.30. I want to encourage you to be a part of that because it really is so helpful to have a group of people who are holding you accountable to experience the fullness of life that God wants you to experience. Now today, we are going to celebrate Holy Communion together because Jesus does eat with everybody. Jesus gathered those disciples around that last supper table, reminding them 
of God and God's picture of grace. And today, we're gonna ready our bodies, our hearts, our minds to receive Holy Communion by praying a prayer together that was penned by one of our grandpas in the faith, John Wesley. It's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer that says, God, maybe my relationship with food isn't great, but I'm gonna put my trust in you. We're gonna have the prayer on the screen and we're gonna pray it out loud together. Let's pray. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will, place me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praise for you or criticize for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.